Welcome to the Bastard's Cut podcast for the week of June 26, 2022, and uh, we are getting close to the end of our teaching series on anxiety, lessons from the end of the rope, and uh, it is this particular week that I have made a grievous mistake. I've no. made a huge <laughs> no. error. So before we talk about my error, I want to, you know, Marissa and Dave's here. What's what's a mistake y'all have made in ministry since you've been here? Like, did you forget to call somebody or check on somebody in the hospital? Let's let's celebrate mistakes today. I know none of us <laughs> oh. like to put us on the spot. Yeah, yeah. put us. On, okay, so I made a pretty significant mistake a few years ago. I sent out an email to everybody in our database that we didn't have a record of being baptized to, to say, hey, have you not been baptized yet? We have a class coming up to talk about that, and and let's talk about the value and significance of baptism. Good thing, right? Right. So concerned. Yes, very concerned. And some people read it that way, some people didn't. Apparently, our database, when we switched from, from one database system to another database system, we didn't keep record of everyone who was baptized. And so... Of the, I don't know, 6,000 people that I emailed, <laughs> um, I, a good several hundred of them emailed back saying, actually, I was baptized. Some people shared their sweet faith stories, and it was amazing. Some people said, why do you think I'm not baptized? What's wrong with and, you? And you got one or two that were angry. So, Dave, how dare you be concerned about whether or not people were baptized? I know. <laughs> I wouldn't worry about that mistake. Marissa, what is a mistake you make? Let's well, celebrate your failures. I, yeah. <laughs> Weekly, <laughs> daily, by the hour. But uh, the one thing that I'll always regret is um, one of my very favorite people to talk to on the phone was Robin Eubanks. Yeah. Um, love, love, love talking to her. Um, one of the last uh, calls that she made to me was a very long voicemail about a story she heard on NPR. And she was really riled up about it. She was like, I want to hear your thoughts on it. So I kind of put that to the side. And I was like... I will have to listen to this story later because I cannot call Robin back without knowing fully, you know, yes. what my opinions about this story it are. Um, but she passed away the next week. So I just will always kind of regret that I didn't, you know, jump on that opportunity to listen to that NPR story right away. I think <laughs> so that I could have had one, last, one mm. last conversation with Robin, but uh, I know that she forgives me. She absolutely she does, and uh, you know so we all make mistakes, and I've made some big mistakes in ministry too. I, one of my favorite ones, one of my favorite mistakes, was when I went into a hospital, made a long hospital visit uh, to this wonderful man, and then at the end realized it was a woman, and I really offended her. You know, but it's terrible. You pray about mm. my brother in Christ. Yeah, Lord, thank I you said, for bless, your bless your this son. good man here, and she goes, I'm a woman. And so I just told her my name was Eric Costanzo, and I'd be happy to see her at South <laughs> Tulsa Baptist. Brilliant. So another mistake I made is I, as I mapped out this teaching series, um, it's very important to put the right passage of Scripture down uh, when you say, here's what I'm teaching out of. And on the sermon map that we use, a shared document, I put 1 Corinthians instead of 2 Corinthians. And mm-hmm. so, so many people on our staff did work... Um, trying to squeeze 1 Corinthians chapter 1 into this theme of anxiety, and it has nothing to do with that We're whatsoever. I'm kind of proud of the uh, stretches that we made. We're trying to, <laughs> no. to really work it out. 
So I went back, and sure enough, on the worship planning sheet, uh, I put 1 Corinthians instead of 2 Corinthians. Terrible mistake. I feel I feel so bad. I'm just, you know what, I'm just going to stay home for the next couple of days and punish myself with isolation. And I'm going to give myself a timeout. Wait a second. Is that more I of a reward that, than I a punishment? I think that should happen. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So we've called in some last-minute help to rewrite the pastor cut in short order. So Dave, would you share who's writing... Uh, for this particular week and the great Herculean effort she will make. Absolutely. So we have Lauren Sutherland in the studio with us. Can you Hello, say hi, Lauren? Lauren? Hi. Sutherland. 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 <laughs> Lauren is the discipleship and women's ministry intern for the summer, and so you'll be seeing her in your community groups. She'll be subbing in from time to time, and you'll get to see uh, her writing this week or coming up very soon for the Pastors Cut of June 26th. So just before we uh, hit record, I, I said, Lauren, thank you so much for rewriting this. And she said... Yeah, I'll get right <laughs> on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> haven't done it yet, but I will. So. Found out about it today, so... All right. Well, I, we have we have faith and confidence in you. Uh, I get in trouble sometime in the evening. I come home, my wife has prepared a wonderful meal, and I said, thank you for making a wonderful dinner. She'll say, you haven't tasted it yet. And I said, well, I can tell you it's just me. So, Lauren, thank you for writing a brilliant pastor's cut about this. Oh, of course. Anytime. Okay. <laughs> so, boy, we've done a lot of banter today. I think we ought to... Let's get to it. All, All right. right. So we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, still dealing with anxiety. And I want to read this passage, and then we're going we're gonna to toss this around a bit, and I'll share where we're going in the message with this. Uh, so 2 Corinthians chapter 1, actually, um, I would encourage... Whoever might write the pastor's cut to handle all the way from verses three to eleven, but the really the the, the straight up part of this is in verse eight and following. We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia, and these would be the troubles that Paul experienced specifically in the town of Ephesus. We were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but this happened, that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us again. On Him we have set our hope that He will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then... Many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. So it is interesting, and we'll, we'll tag this at the end, but this is the same Paul who wrote in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, do not be anxious about anything. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those words can be used as a, as a battering ram over people's heads going, you know, you shouldn't be anxious about anything. But here that same Paul is saying... We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to bear, uh, so that we even despaired of life itself. Now, whether he felt like he was going to die or that he wanted to die, there's some debate on what that particular phrase means. But here we see the, the Apostle Paul admitting that he had more pressure than what he could bear. Thoughts, go. Who wants to jump in first? Marissa? Yeah, sure. Well, I just really love sitting on verse 3 um, as kind of a precursor no, to this no, no. whole... No, no, no. We're talking about <laughs> verse 8 right now. I, I love I'll verse g- 3 as well. Um, Both of you be quiet. <laughs> yeah. 
But this is who God is to Paul. He's the father of compassion and God of all comfort. Um, and it's even more uh, theatrical in the Greek, the patroton oikrimon, the father of compassions, the God of all comforts. And I just think about the way that we name God and the ways that the, the terms that we use to describe God um, reveal how we relate to him and how he speaks to us on a very profound level. So like we, uh, my favorite term from God is God is the reconciler. Um, he, he heals the brokenness. He, um, he uh, never gives up on us. He's ever patient with the process of bringing us to him. Um, for Hagar, he was the God who sees Elroy because she felt profoundly unseen. For David, he was the good shepherd because he was someone, of course, that knew a lot about shepherding, but he was also in great need of rest and in peace and in guidance. So that's who God was to him. And so Paul speaks as someone who knows God's comfort and compassion because he has been in such dire need of it. Um, his entire adult life has just been one instance of suffering after another. And he has experienced this comfort and the compassion of God on a profound level. Um, and when I think of, of comfort, um, I think of like down blankets and, and really comfy pillows. <laughs> but this isn't what um, what Paul was talking about, this, this Greek... Com- yes, I... We're doing this at two when we normally do it at nine yeah, in the morning. Yes, it should, it should be nap <laughs> and time. And it is it's nap, nap we, time. Do we need a Snuggie? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that Catherine probably still has some around. <laughs> um, but the, the Greek Inside idea of joke. comfort. Yeah. We'll, we'll tell you about that later. <laughs> uh, the Greek idea of comfort doesn't coddle or soothe. It's not about that soothing, um, sympathetic kind of comforting, but it strengthens and it props people up so that they can walk again. It's, it's a comfort that assists and builds up and restores. So when you look at the word comfort, um, it, it's a compound word that comes from the Latin, conforto. So it's with uh, or together, we are stronger, uh, to be strong together. Um, and just that, that, that word comfort also, you know, we get fortitude in the French full with strength, um, courage and pain or adversity. Proper comfort is coming along someone who needs strengthening so that together you can bravely face adversity. And this is the kind of comfort that Paul is talking about. So it would be fair to say real comfort is not making somebody feel better. It's making somebody feel stronger. Yes. Absolutely. The Greek word for that is parakaleo. Yeah. Talk about it. Paul uses that word nine times in the first seven, or between verses three and verse seven. Nine times. It's amazing nine that times. nine times that's repeated. Well, so Ferris Bueller. Thank you, Ferris Bueller. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it literally means coming coming around, coming alongside of, to to support, to encourage, to uplift. And, and so there's something there, as Paul is looking at what's going on in Corinth, as Paul is dealing with the division that's there with super apostles that have tried to set themselves up over and against Paul, and Paul is very well aware, that, that some of the Corinthian community aren't even sure where they stand with Paul, where he stands in the, in the scheme of things. Does he have the authority to speak into their lives? He's brilliant in the fact that he uses this introduction before we get to verse 8, where, you, where, where you're launching into. <laughs> where he wants into, us to be. Where he wants us to be. Um, pulling it back. Sometime instead we're going to get there. <laughs> of, instead of thanking God for the Corinthian community, like he normally does in his letters, he offers almost this, this theological blessing. Thank God for how great he is, because he's the God of all comfort, who comforts us in the middle of our suffering. And so he plays back and forth with comfort and suffering to deal with the anxiety that the, the Corinthian church is dealing with over 
whatever's going on with the super apostles and, and pulling themselves up by their own bootstraps and, and elevating, trying to one-up each other, either with charismatic gifts or with something else, and where Paul is himself dealing with incredible difficulties, and the super apostles are saying, he's dealing with difficulties, therefore he can't be God's chosen one. Mm-hmm. And so in the middle of that, Paul builds this common ground where they, they mutually experience God's grace, and they mutually support each other through God's grace. They become mutual brokers of grace in order to Mm. encourage one another. And so as Paul says, we don't want you to be unaware of our affliction. And then he he fast forwards to the end of that passage, um, while you join them in in helping us by your prayers, there's some level of, of we're both supporting and encouraging each other. I'll remind you where your salvation came from. You can remind me as well, and together we can find hope and peace in God. And come forward. Together we mm-hmm. can be stronger. Yes. So so hit again the Greek word for comfort. Uh, or, um, Parakaleo. Yeah. Right. Which, um, if you look to the Gospels, especially the jo- Gospel of John. Right, John 14. Yeah. The, the word that Jesus uses for the Holy Spirit there, the word that is used in John is paraclete. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the counselor, the comforter, the one who makes us stronger because he indwells us. Okay, so Lauren, since uh, since nobody in here wanted to talk about verse 8 like I wanted to... <laughs> 3, 4, 5 are so good. Do you have anything you want to say about verse 8? Uh, yeah. Or do you want to just j- skip to verse 14, which we're not covering <laughs> anything? No, I actually have something to say about verse 8. Thank so. you. Thank you. <laughs> I should preface with that I was thrown into this. I um, had no idea this was happening, so I had just read it. Um, but in the middle of it, when it says... Um, far beyond our ability ability to endure. I think that there's something really beautiful about that because I think that we can get caught up in the idea that like God's not going to give us battles that we can't handle. But if we believe that, then we believe that we're self-sufficient enough to handle all of our battles without God. And so it's the fact that we're going to have things that we can't endure means that we're going to have to rely on him for comfort, for strength. Um, and I think that's really beautiful. That, that is. And that... Um, that addresses a Christian myth. In fact, we'll, we'll talk about that in the message just a little bit. Lauren, you were right on cue. Um, because, you know, there's this Christian myth that says God will never give you more than you can handle. Well, this, this contradicts that straight on. Paul said we had more than what we could handle. Now, to go back to the biblical roots of that myth, it's 1 Corinthians 10.17. That God will never allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able to bear. So that verse... God will never give you more temptation than you can bear. You'll always have the option of saying no, but that is about temptation. This is about trials. And God will oftentimes give us more trials than what we can bear so that, and he says it here, we might not rely on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. It is precisely when we get to the end of ourselves that we begin to discover the sufficiency of God. And I think it was Charles Spurgeon who said that God sends trials for one or two reasons, for you either to know yourself or to know God. And I would add a third one, or to know both yourself and God a little bit better. So any other thoughts? Are y'all, are y'all caught up with me and Lauren now on verses 8? <laughs> well, I, I still yeah. want to go back to verses 4 and 5 because nope. I think it's so important. Nope, nope. I forbid it. <laughs> no. Any other comments about the, the pressures and the learning to rely on ourselves? I think what Paul was doing was, was brilliant in that as he was trying to, to point out this, this need for self-reliance, he also points straight to the cross. 
God has delivered us from such a terrible death. He reminds very subtly, very indirectly, but also kind of directly, that the cross is the center of everything that we do when we find our hope. That's, that's the center of our identity. So many times we try and build it on something else. That's right. Marissa? I'm going back to verse 5. I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. And uh, because Paul received this comfort from God, listen, listen, uh-huh. he could then offer that same comfort to other people. And I think that is so important. And I've heard you say it so many times. When somebody is suffering from anxiety, they need to look outside themselves yep. and see who else to help. And that's something that we teach a, a, a lot in Grief Share. When somebody has experienced healing, and not to hoard that healing, not to hoard that comfort, but to see who else they can reach out to. And I was um, speaking with somebody yesterday, a matriarch of our church, Faye Tumbleson, who is um, not long for this world. She's in hospice care. And she was relaying how many great friends have come to her side and how many teachers and, and ministers have come to her and, and how she much she's enjoyed the visits. But then she paused for a minute and got really reflective. And um, it, it's really beautiful because Faye hasn't been herself for a long time, but it seems like right now she's re- received a lot of clarity. Good. Um, but she said that she's been really blessed to receive those visits, but there's so many that were in that facility who were alone. And it just made me think about comfort as, um, just like any other spiritual gift, isn't something that we should hoard, that God gives us comfort so that we can bless others with it. And she was uh, receiving this abundant comfort, comfort, and because she's such a beautiful reflection of Jesus, um, even on her deathbed, she wanted to share that comfort abundantly with other people. So God designed us not to be hoarders of comfort, but conduits of it, just like anything else, grace, faith, anything else. When we give, we experience satisfaction and contentment that purchases, uh, uh, that, that, uh, that um, oh, sorry, we experience satisfaction and contentment ourselves. That strengthening together, it shores us up just as much as it does the person we're comforting. Yeah, so that word contentment, um, and as I wrote this message, we're going to spend or I'm planning to, there's there's a difference between the message I write and the message that I deliver. But in writing it, I, I talked about contentment. And a contentment, uh, contentment's a lot like your physical shadow. And if you ever try to catch your shadow, you know how, how futile that is. Because if you walk toward your shadow, it will always be moving away from you. You never catch your shadow. But as soon as you walk in the opposite direction and you, you move in the opposite direction of your shadow, it follows you. And I think contentment is the same way. You know, the more we chase after it, the more it will elude us. And if we're looking for contentment in and of ourselves, it will continue to elude us. But if we walk away from that personal contentment and start serving others, contentment has a way of finding us. Dave? Can I say one more thing before you hop on to the next part? Is it going to be about <laughs> verse 3, 4, or 5? No. It's, okay. it's going to be about the whole, the whole of it. That Paul <laughs> talks about, um, in that passage, Paul talks about comfort a lot. He, he equally talks about suffering a lot. And there's something to be said about fellowship in suffering, that, that as, as we realize that there's some element of we're all suffering, there, there's something that we're all walking through that we can easily focus on and of ourselves, if we start talking with other people about that, we can find a greater level of comfort and peace and encourage each other. Absolutely. We ready to move on to the second passage? Let's do it. Okay, right. let's do it. Chapter four. All right. Woo! Here we go. <laughs> now, if y'all want to go to another verse, you just let me know. <laughs> So this is, um, and the way I'm going to line out the message, uh, I'm going to use that Charles Spurgeon quote as a, a little bit of a framework to say, you know, oftentimes God will send us suffering or anxiety or trials to know ourselves and to know Him. And so the way I'm going to line this out is this passage um, 
in 2 Corinthians 4, 7 and 8, this is what Paul learned about himself through these trials. Uh, and then I'm going to use another passage that I'll tag on the end that wasn't in the worship planning sheet, and here's what he learned about God. Sacrilege. I know. <laughs> I've, departed, I've, I've departed from the Holy Script. Um, but, but here we are in 2 Corinthians um, 4, 7 and 8, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And I love this verse. This is just beautiful in its, um, in its poetry. We are hard-pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. So let's talk about this for just a few minutes in terms of maybe what Paul learned about himself. You know, what is he, what is he saying when he, he says we are, we, we are jars of clay, but we hold this incredible treasure? Lauren, I, I can't, she, Lauren is outside the studio. She's sitting <laughs> back here with Brad. She's exiled yeah. uh, in another room. Mm-hmm. Uh, Where the it, mics are. Yeah. In the sound booth. <laughs> so I'm going to let you go first on this if you have something to offer. And if you don't, that's okay. Um, I, my Bible app stopped working, so I had to search it. Um, <laughs> So now I'm reading it. It sounds great. Um, Paul's a great writer, you know? Yeah, um, it's good. He was hoping that he'd have your yeah. two thumbs up on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yes. And if you just want to talk about Jars of Clay, the band, you can too. I, I, this was the secret song Same. on the first album. <laughs> or Daryl Evans. You want to talk about some uh, Trading My Sorrows? Oh my goodness, yes. Now we're yes, going back Lord, to the yes, 90s. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Oh. <laughs> oh, no, it's not. The <laughs> music of the 90s was... CCM music of the 90s. It sure was. (laughs) Okay, I came up with the thought. Great. Go. (laughs) So uh, in verse 12, when it says, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you, um, I just think about all the times I've struggled with anxiety. And um, this past year was one of the hardest years I've ever walked through my senior year of college, which is kind of a bummer because for a really long time, I was really discontented with the fact that um, my senior year, it felt like it was taken from me. but I knew that throughout it, I was really lucky to have a firm faith, even despite all that I went through. Um, and I sought counsel, and I sought help, and I sought therapy, and things like that. And it was really cool because I really felt like true death inside. I had a lot of things I lost and a lot of people I lost. So I was truly mourning a lot. And now on the other side of it, I'm able to see the life that Christ was throughout that entire um, really hard year for me. Um, and it's just been a really cool thing to be able to step back and see uh, throughout this year and being able to be here and just really rest and find peace that though it was my final year of college and my final year in school, um, God was still moving despite the death that was my year. So that, That's very good because, um, you know, in the middle of your year, you, you would have easily said, you know, I don't see where God is in all of this. Mm-hmm. Then you look back. And you say, God was all over it. And sometimes we can only see his presence in retrospect. Mm -hmm. Uh, There'll be those times when God will give us suffering, no explanations, not even a sense of his presence, Mm -hmm. but his presence is there anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So what what else does Paul learn about himself here, guys? I I think Paul learns of his own frailty, his own own humanity, and and that in that and through that, he's very transparent with the Corinthian community maybe a little to his detriment, that the super apostles are, are literally trying to say, Paul is weak, therefore he can't be trusted. And Paul is saying, I am weak, but I can't be trusted all the more because Jesus is producing in me, in the middle of my weakness, something greater than you can possibly understand. There's this all-surpassing power that's from God that's not from us. 
that's that's inside of me and is being displayed all the more mm-hmm. in the middle of everything going on. Right. Yeah. 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 This verse about Drosophila always makes me think of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, which most yeah. things do. Uh, yeah, really. Yeah. Okay. I think I know, Paul would have I know loved exactly it. Exactly what you're talking about. Uh, so Walter Donovan is like the the evil archaeologist, right? Who's uh, seeking after the Grail, and he chooses the most bejeweled, golden, elaborate vessel. But as we all know, he chose poorly. He chose very poorly. (laughs) (laughs) But God stores his treasure in these jars of clay to uh, show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And this is what Paul's trying to teach the Corinthians about Apollos and the other super apostles. The treasure is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're the vessels of this amazing light. We're jars of clay. Um, they're, they're just simple earthen vessels, very, very common, very yep. vulnerable, very fragile, just like Lauren was talking about. Um, but we are the cup of a carpenter, to, as Indy said. Um, you chose wisely. We have chosen wisely, <laughs> or we try to. But compared to the value of the gospel, our own value is pretty low. Uh, we are just jars of clay, but we still have worth and we have purpose and we can be used to carry this beautiful, beautiful treasure of a story. Um, although Paul was the founder of the church of Corinth, you know, as we read in, in, in Acts 18, these flashy teachers and leaders, these wealthy, prestigious men have come up and the Corinthians are embarrassed of Paul. So it's not just that Paul, uh, was reminded of his own vulnerability, vulnerability, uh, the Corinthians wouldn't let him forget it because they were so ashamed of what he was like. These new leaders like Apollos were eloquent and wealthy. They were bejeweled. They were golden. But the Corinthians were choosing poorly. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so Paul was that jar of clay that could point to God's glory, not his own, um, when a flashier vessel would have only pointed to his own glory. Um, So he's just saying, who is worthy to be a container for God? It's not just these skilled, talented, wealthy people. It's all of us. It's the common. It's the vulnerable. We all can hold God's story and be used by him. That's right. So, so I'm going to use um, a, a different story than this on Sunday morning. So I'll, I'll throw this out. This is a story I cut. So if you're teaching this and you want to steal it, you can. Uh, of course, you think of Indiana Jones. I always think of things in terms of coin collecting. Mm-hmm. And so um, not a, an immediate friend of mine, but a friend of a friend, high-end coin collector, had a lot of valuable coins, um, didn't want to keep them in a safe deposit box because then he wouldn't be able to look at them and enjoy them. Uh, didn't want to keep them in a display case at home because somebody could break in and steal. And so he decided to keep his coin collection in old paint cans out in the garage because if a thief breaks in, are they going to steal old paint cans? I hope not. No. I mean, you'd have to be a really desperate or confused or drunk thief to do that. So he kept his treasure in some old cans. And so it was there that it was going to remain safe. Uh, but also accessible to him. And so God, he's done this. He's used jars of clay. And this is what Paul learned about himself. I am weak, I am vulnerable. But I, as a follower of Jesus, and us as followers of Jesus, we carry the greatest treasure of all, and that is the gospel, what it says in verse 4, Jesus as Lord and ourselves as servants. Uh, So I'm going to tag a last verse in the Scripture, and if I'm teaching this, I probably want to land back on this because... Paul was given you know, more anxiety, more stress than he could possibly bear so he could learn about himself and learn about God as well. And this is where I'm going to go back to Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, just tell God what you want through thanksgiving. Thank God for whatever happens, whether it's the way you want it to happen or the opposite. 
uh, and the God of peace. There's a sense in which we turn over our lives. We ask God for what we want. We thank Him for whatever happens, and then He's got it from there. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And that's what, what Paul, the, the light that came on for him about God, I believe, he wrote that verse in Philippians because he'd been through what he did in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, that he learned about the God of peace, not based on outward circumstances, based on who Christ is. All right. Any last amazing, brilliant words that you want to say, Lauren or Dave or Marissa? Um, I really like that you're ending on being thankful in the trials that you're going through because, like, even despite, um, like, what we're walking through, there's always something to be joyful over. And, like, I'm really lucky because as heading into college of ministry, I'm able to see, like, how the Lord's moving in others' lives, sometimes when I can't even see it in my own life. Um, and it's just been so cool to be able to see, like, freshman girls specifically um, step into this their own faith that isn't their parents anymore and it's entirely their own. And like, it's something I was so thankful to be able to be a part of and to be able to see as I was walking through like my hardships. And I wonder sometimes if that's not the reason God gives us um, hardships and anxiety at a certain time, because then we're forced for our faith to become our own and not our parents, not about our upbringing. It's, it's now our faith story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then sometimes purchased very dearly. Mm-hmm. So Rissa, Dave, can you beat that? <laughs> that was great. It was beautiful. I, I think she gets the prize today. <laughs> yeah, we'll All give right. it to Lauren. We're, we're done. So we've done everything here. We've handled First and Second Corinthians. We've handled um, especially Second Corinthians 1, verse 3. That's very important that we handled that. Well, it is important. It's the beginning. <laughs> to you. We've covered Indiana Jones and Ferris Bueller and 90s Christian music. Yeah. We've, we've done it all. That's it. Okay. All right. So the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you, and the Lord grant you peace now and forever. Amen. Amen. Amen.